0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, party people? This is Wine Face. Helen from Helen's Wines. Coming at you through this microphone. Cleopatra. Cleopatra. I wish I could do the Cleopatra cat makeup eye, but I just can't. Liquid eyeliner has helped. And my friend Jen Stryker gave me one from Gucci. Cape Gucci. And uh, that one worked the best for me. But maybe for Halloween I'll do a Cleopatra eye, finally. Or I could get someone else to do it for me. But I always admire people. Like uh, Mad Dog can do a good Cleopatra eye. Brianne Chan from... Uh, our our home office at our little joint venture restaurant group, but today we're not talking about Cleopatra eyes of wine. We're actually talking about types of wine. We're getting back to the basics. Not even basic. I think there's a lot of this information people don't know, and they're kind of scared to ask. And don't worry, your good old friend Wineface is swooping in with a little wine cape on, and we're gonna be making the myths bust and be dropping the four one one. So types of wine, what does that mean? A lot of people don't realize that all the grape varietals, and there are hundreds of them, there are lots of different grape varietals. There's some that are much more quote unquote famous they get stalked by the paparazzi. No, there's there's more well-known grape varietals that are more widely planted. And then there's a lot of indigenous grape varietals. But the key to wine is they actually have a much closer DNA structure than you would think because they all taste and smell so different, which kind of blows my mind. But it does make sense. You know, like peppers, for example, Peppers can taste totally different. They could be spicy. They could be sweet. Anyway, these are not peppers. You got a shishito. You got a cherry bomb. Um, all wine grapes are Vitis vinifera. That is their mothership grape and grape DNA. And there's just varying changes in the DNA. And how we came to the grapes that we have today was cross pollinating and people breeding different grapes to get the result of a different one. For example, um, let's take this little love triangle of Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Gamay. Chardonnay and Gamay are siblings, and they are the children of Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is the parent. Um, Everything started in a lot of ways with a grape called Treminer, and Pinot Noir is a uh, is a relative, a closer relative of Tremenor. I mean, it's just crazy. Like sometimes my mom tries to talk about our family tree going back to the Mayflower, which by the way, I f- am so privileged in this life to know where my family came back from. No one talks about that, but a lot of people don't know, especially if you were, uh, your, your family history was enslaved in this country, which is terrible, but just saying- Grapes don't have this problem. Um, my mind sort of gets twisted. My mom and my aunts are obsessed with genealogies, so they kind of like know it by heart. I should probably know the wine grape family vine tree by heart, but I don't. And maybe I'll try and memorize it. But the the, the key is, is that there's a lot of parents and child and siblings. Um, another example would be that uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, which is really famous, The parents of Cabernet Sauvignon are Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. And how Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc got together one night, maybe it was their anniversary, and made Cabernet Sauvignon is a mystery to me because the flavor profiles are so different. But it all boils down to say that they're closely related in DNA but have different expressions. And I think that's one of the coolest things about wine that I will always say. So at a basic level, we have red and white grapes red skin grapes, white skin grapes. And when I talk about types of wine, I'm talking about these overarching categories like, so to speak, white wine, red wine, rosé wine, skin contact wine, aka orange wine, if you're on the streets, and sparkling wine. So these are like archetypes. These are when you go into a wine shop. It's like, The first thing I ask people is like, well, what type of wine do you want? Are you shopping for red? Are you shopping for white? And then within these categories, so every wine that I just listed is in origin, either from a red skin grape or a white skin grape. That's their basis. And so you really could categorize. It's like the mothership would be we have white grapes, white wine grapes and red wine grapes, but they can make different things. But white skin grapes are grapes like Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, Gewurztraminer, Sauvignon um, Sylvaner, it can get weirder, Chardonnay. These are the, the grapes that go into making a white wine. Those are white-skinned grapes. And red skin grapes are grapes like Cabernet Franc, Gamay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon. If you get crazy and you're in court, Corsica, it's Neoluccio, Grenache, Syrah. If you're in Italy, it could be Norello Mascalese. The Italy gets really complicated for people because they didn't rip out their indigenous vines and plant a whole bunch of like Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir. They like triumph and raise up their indigenous varietals like Sagrantino and Umbria. Uh, things that people are like, Sagrin, what? Uh, so some of the varietals are more famous than other. So at, at every base iteration, a wine, whether it is rosé or orange or sparkling, is made from one of these grapes. So white wine. Let's talk about that first. White wine is made from white wine grapes, uh, Sauve Blanc, Riesling, muller Turgau. I, the list goes on and on. Kerner. It's like, you're like, what the fuck is Kerner? I've never heard of that. Uh, so <laughs> white wine is not, uh, it's not as long a process to make white wine as it is red wine. One of the reasons is white wine is fresher, lighter, Uh, The color is limited in extraction, so they pick the grapes and the fermentation cycle and the interaction of the juice and the skins is a shorter period of time. Typically, depending on the wine, the white wine is not aged as long. There are less white wines that you would want to age for a long time because they don't have as much tannic structure because they're not extracting as many tannins from that interaction of skins and juice. If we took white wine a step further, that's where you come to orange wine, a.k.a. skin contact white wine, extended skin contact. People think all kinds of things about orange wine, like orange wine is made from oranges or they add something to it or it's made from mezcal. I don't know. People have said all kinds of random shit to me. But the reality is, is that orange wine is basically white wine with extended contact of the skins and the juice, it's kind of like amped up white wine. It's like, I'm I'm white wine and I want to be red wine. And the result is orange wine. <laughs> kind of feels like we're in painting class and I'm in nursery school, but it's basically you take a white wine grape and you extend the contact between the skins and the juice, much like you will when you're making red wine. And that's how you get an orange wine. Orange wine, I like to call it skin contact white wine because it's very explanatory. Orange wine can be made from many different white wine grape varietals. There is no rules about which varietals. I think some work better than others. It can be made everywhere in the world. Uh, Stylistically, it's been part of cultures dating back to when wine first came on the scene, which some people say was in Georgia. Slovenia and Georgia, they have a very, very long, rich history of doing skin contact white wine. And they would never call it an orange wine. They would be like, this is white wine. So that's the other side of the coin is. Right now, the cultural lexicon, orange wine is super trendy, but it wasn't always that way. And for some places, it's not a trend. It is what the wine is. Having extended skin contact with the juice and the skins is the best expression for certain people of their terroir and of those grapes. So, we are going to do an episode where we dig deeper into these categories of wine, but that's like, that is what, when people are saying orange wine, that's what orange wine is it's white wine that's had a, a little extra time hanging out with its buddies to extract of the skins, and sometimes the stems, to extract more tannins, color, and grit. And the result, if you've never had an orange wine, I think they're seductive and badass and awesome as long as you buy the right one. The result is a wine that has a little bit of oxidation. So they're usually dry, but they have beautiful aromatics. Sometimes people experience them as having a kombucha y flavor. I mean, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. They're usually salty and lean. They have an amazing umami type feel, and it's a great experience, and they're absolute perfection with food. So that's orange wine. So a derivative, if we're doing the family tree of wine, it would be like white wine is the parent of orange wine or vice versa because you age a lot. Um, okay, so then you get to red wine. Red wine is made from red skin grapes. It depends on the thickness of the skin because some red skin grapes, and the same is true for white wine, but the, the way you're getting different expressions and why different grape varietals are so important is that the structure of their skins are different. There's different thickness levels. And so there's different tannic composition. And tannins are what give wine texture, movement. Also, the thickness of the skin can determine how thick or how thin or how like light or heavy a wine can be. So, for example, Gamay and Pinot Noir are thinner-skinned grapes than, let's say... Cabernet Sauvignon or Alianico in Italy, those are thicker skin grapes. They're naturally going to produce a more dark, concentrated, structured wine. So red wine is you pick the grapes, the same starts out as the same process as making white wine or orange wine, but there's usually longer, as opposed to white wine, there's longer time that you spend interacting the skins and the juice. Like their fermentation cycles are longer. And then typically with red wine, because you're extracting so much juju and vibe from a skin, then you end up aging red wine usually a little bit longer. Not at your house. The winemaker chooses to do it because if you're extracting so much, especially if you do stem inclusion, which is a choice of the winemaker and very dependent on which grape varietal people are using for red wine, the wines can be real gnarls, Barkley. You know what I mean? Like they can be Real hard to drink and they need to have time to soften and set into their own selves. Whereas other wines like Gamay, for example, they're good right out the bat, you know, so that that's what's cool about wine and the aging cycle. And the important thing is that we highlight and and understand and respect a winemaker who's making the choices or taking the time and not adding crazy shit and doctoring red wine. Red wine can is very often sugar is added to it. Ninety four percent of the wine in the world. They're just dumping sugar sugar to change the texture to make it more appealing now people do all kinds of bizarro stuff to red wine to make it taste quote-unquote like it's been aging longer and that's all an illusion and if you want to drink aged wine first of all save your money because it's going to be a little more expensive put it in a cellar it has to be temperature temperature controlled but that's red wine. And then red wine, we could draw a little family tree from red wine to rosé. Rosé is always, all right. and I say always, there's always exceptions when I say always, but red wine is most of the time made from red wine grapes, so red skin grapes. So when you're drinking a rosé, especially from the south of France, let's say, it's typically going to be a blend of Syrah, Grenache, Cinsault. And those are all red wine grapes. There's rosé made from Cabernet Sauvignon. There's rosé made from Syrah. There's rosé made from Pinot Noir. So rosé is like a brief impression. It's a brief fermentation process of a red skin grape. It's almost like an immediate, an immediate expression of it. And rosé is 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 really badass. There's two ways to make it. Rosé could be a saignée of rosé, which is a French word that means bleeding. And it can be some a, a dope ass winemakers making red wine and they are going to bleed off a little bit of that initial um, ferment, uh, the initial maceration process. And they're going to bleed it off and bottle that, age it separately and bottle that as a rosé because they're going to restrict the amount of time that it's interacting and macerating with the skins. It's pretty cool. I mean, this is all breaking it down into a super basic level. And obviously there's exceptions to every rule. But that's rosé. The other way to make rosé is it's direct press, which means that it's literally you are just getting a quick impression of the skins to the juice and extracting a little bit of color and a little bit of flavor. Rosé wine is meant to be fresh, clean. You don't really age rosé. You want to drink it within three years of it being bottled. Um, But that's rosé. And then sparkling wine. Technically, you could make sparkling wine from any grape varietal. Um, I think that people kind of get tunnel vision because everyone kind of goes to the touch zone of champagne. Champagne is just one kind of sparkling wine. Sparkling wine is the mothership. And then there's different ways that you can make sparkling wine that have different classifications, which is how you come to a champagne, which is a specific way it's made and it's from a specific place. So champagne can only be champagne if it's from champagne and made in the method Champignois. Or on an opposite side of the spectrum, you can have a sparkling wine that's a petillant naturel, or in Italy you call it a frizzante. Pet nat is the word on the street, and those are made in an entirely different process than champagne. They are not grown; the grapes are not grown in Champagne. They are not pet nats are not site specific. It's more about the methodology, uh, and those. Are, can be made from the same exact grape varietals. So champagne can only be made from three varietals: Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier, and Pinot Noir. Sometimes Pinot Blanc, but that is the blend or the single varietal that you will always find in champagne. And they're they're never made the like they're never made outside of those restrictions. And so I think champagne as an example of what it is, is probably the most restricted because it's so site specific. But when you think about the method that's the key to sparkling wine so champagne would fall under the meth- method traditionnel, and then there's also the method ancestral which is what pet net falls under and then there's other methods like the charmant method um which is a method i don't recommend and we're going to go deeper into it. Is a tank method where basically there's like a giant vat of wine and then it gets uh carbonation added to it which is like a big no-no um but so that's where sparkling wine i think, people are intimidated by the key to sparkling wine is you got to find a good winemaker who doesn't add a lot of sugar who is capturing the vibrancy of that grape um, and you need to know what method they're using so there's also people who use the method champenoise or the traditional method and they make wine outside of champagne you would not call that champagne but it's going to be similar in its refinement because of the process that it went through we're gonna go deep on sparkle wine because I think people people are curious and they need to know. You need to know if you go to a wedding and there's a tray and they say, Would you like a glass of champagne? You need to feel empowered to be like, is it champagne or is it fucking kava? Because I don't want no kava. No, <laughs> there's some great kava out there in the world. Those are the general categories. We've got white wine, red wine, rose wine, orange wine, sparkling wine. Each of those devolve into a world of their own. I don't know the answer. Some people ask me all the time, why do people love orange wine right now? Why is orange wine so cool or why is it having such a moment? And to me, I think it's that the world is expanding and becoming more intimate because of our online interactions and the ability of social media to spread messaging that orange wine are always existed but there's just a platform and a way for people to talk about their excitement and talk about what it is and share dope little orange wines that they drink I don't necessarily think that it's something that's going to go away because wine and education once you're in it how could you get away from it the one thing I will say is Orange wine is kind of my favorite Halloween pairing So, or also your fall pairing. It's like orange wine, wear a turtleneck, eat bratwurst with some sauerkraut. I think the cool thing when you're talking about types of different wines is what wine to bring to a dinner party. And I get this question all the time because people are like, not only what wine should I bring, but what's the appropriate type of wine to bring to a dinner party? And I think that boils down to a very personal question. I usually bring two bottles of wine. I'm a psycho though, but I bring one wine in case they don't have any wine that I wanna drink. I don't always do this. Sometimes I just have water if I don't wanna drink the wine. And then I bring a wine that's a gift. So it's it's a gift for the host to not drink tonight. They could drink it another time with their love or with their best friend or whatever. I bring one to drink with dinner. I think when you're thinking about bringing wine to a dinner party, it's cool to figure out what moment would you want your wine consumed. If you want to bring something with like guns blazing, you bring a sparkling wine. Just in a, bring it cold. It's coming in right off the bat. But I do think in general I recommend to people the safest bet for crowd-pleasing dinner party wine is to bring a bottle of red. Bring a bottle of red that will get opened with dinner And it doesn't matter what people are having because it's all about the community of finding a moment with people, sitting down, opening that bottle and celebrating it. Obviously, I have specific wines that I think go over better, but bring something you like to drink. That's always the key. Something you like to drink. Go to Helen's Wines. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We'll hook you up with your dinner party vibes. But I think that's a a crucial thing when you're thinking about pairings. People often get tripped off like, I'm going to dinner. What do I bring? Depends when you want to drink it in the meal. I rarely encourage people to bring an after dinner drink or a sweet wine. I personally don't drink them. They kind of give me a headache. It's too much sugar. So I have other suggestions. Like I'm pretty obsessed with this Amaro right now. John Vinnie and I had it at Isodium Via Corotta in New York. And it's made by Varnelli. And it is this unfiltered, dry, like super, super... Barky, herbal, medicinal Amaro. You serve it on ice, get a little cold, and it's like the perfect digestif. It's not sweet. It's incredible. That is not wine, but that's Amaro. Maybe we'll talk about Amaro sometime. So, those are the types of wine. So, this week for wine of the week, it doesn't really have to do with types of wine, except that this guy is such a badass. He makes different types of wine. Um, I got to say, I'm pretty into the Joe Swick wines. Swick wines, he's on the border of Oregon and Washington. He is making wine in the Yakima Valley. He's all up in there. And we're pouring by the glass at John of right now, one of his Chardonnays that has the most amazing label. It's basically the the text code of Y W Y D. You up, what are you doing you up it's I guess if you've ever been on a dating app which i haven't you've been on tinder it's what are you doing you up it's kind of like a booty call wine, but I love the irony of it being paired with Chardonnay, which a lot of people find as a very alienating grape. they already have a preconceived notion about whether they like it or not and I think part of the problem is because there's so much bad Chardonnay that floods the marketplace and a lot of cheap Chardonnay because it's a very widely planted grape. So you got to check out Joe Swick. Get the What Are You Doing You Up. I love this wine so much. He's also making this 100% Sin That's amazing. His Bring It Red. It's called Bring It. And it's a blend of like five different red grape varietals. We also have his Bring It White which is a Grenache Blanc and it's like smoky and gamey and crisp and clean and it's really, really, really amazing. Um, but yeah, Wine of the Week would be Joe Swick. Represent. What are you doing you up? I do not mean that to you guys. <laughs> That's just Joe Swick inside the mind. One little sneak peek. I got to have him on this podcast sometime. Stay tuned. This is Helen. This is Wine Face. Check me out on Instagram at Helen's Wines. Also, check out our website if you want more info, helenswines.com. Happy fall days to everyone. I hope you have a good one. Bye.